evening and welcome to this edition of the Mary Trump Show, the Ask Me Anything Within Reason. There are five days before the 2022 midterm elections. This is our last episode before then. Um, Just as a reminder, we will be doing an election night watch party uh, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. I'll um, be reminding you of that on Twitter on Monday and Tuesday morning. Um, I A lot of people uh, sent in questions. I, I posted on Twitter, so I got, I got some questions there. Uh, so I know people are going to be writing questions into the chat. I will do my best to get to as many as I can. But just so you know, one, I can't get to all of them, uh, first of all. And secondly, sometimes a lot of people ask different versions of the same question, so I kind of consolidate them. Uh, So I'll I'll do my best. Um, But we got a lot of great questions tonight, and uh, it is crunch time. So before I start answering your questions, um, I just wanted to point out a couple of things. You know, we often hear that the Democrats don't fight hard enough or the Democrats are wimps and it's really the Republicans who know how to get stuff done because they're so tough and uh, they're so unscrupulous. And if only the Democrats could be more like the Republicans. But you know what? A couple of things about that. First of all, it's actually bullshit. For two years, between 2017 and 2019, The Republican Party had control of 100% of the federal government. And all of the things they complain about that the Democrats aren't doing, they didn't do either. From 2017, sorry, from 2019 uh, through uh, or up until Joe Biden became president, the Republican Party controlled the executive branch, the Senate, and the Supreme Court. So, or the judiciary in general. And still, not only did they get nothing uh, productive done, they oversaw the worst health crisis in this country's history that resulted in the deaths of over a million people. They trashed the economy. And they unleashed um, the big lie that led to the insurrection. From January 2021 on, the Democrats have the executive branch. They have a smaller majority in the House and a razor-thin majority in the Senate and a three to six deficit in the Supreme Court, plus many, many judges that Donald Trump appointed that they that we're still dealing with right who were still making anti-democratic decisions and yet with with those very small margins and the fact that the biden administration had to deal with a covid pandemic that was still out of control not simply because it had been allowed 
to uh, go on unchecked for so long. But because Donald and his sycophants had created vaccine resistance in a significant percentage of the population, President Biden had to fix an economy that was practically in freefall while contending with the increasingly virulent and rabid anti-democratic forces that have um, been around forever, but have been emboldened like never before since 20, since the presidential election of 2016. So having said all of that, it's still quite extraordinary how much President Biden and the Democrats have accomplished, especially considering the fact that in almost 100% of the cases, zero Republicans, or I should say, if 100% of Republicans are against anything that the Biden administration tries to do. This despite the fact that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are much more often than not Republicans. And also, okay, so, so let's lay to rest the fact that Republicans are really good at getting stuff done and the Democrats suck at it. It isn't true. So I would like for you to imagine just how much more they could get done if they had real majorities in the Senate. If we had just two more senators, we'd get rid of the filibuster, we could codify Roe, we could enact meaningful climate change policy, we could fix the Supreme Court and the federal judiciary. Maybe, maybe, I can dream, can't I? Maybe we could do something about the Electoral College. We can certainly fix the Voting Rights Act that uh, John Roberts has set out to destroy over the last 12 years. And as for fighting, well, I, I don't want the Democrats to fight like the Republicans. The reason the Republicans fight like they do, the reason the Republicans lie, cheat, and steal is because they know that in any free and fair election, they lose. I want the Democrats to be better. Doesn't mean I don't want them to fight hard. Doesn't mean sometimes I, I, I don't want them to fight dirty. Sometimes I do because the situation requires it. What we're fighting for is so important that if we need to throw an elbow once in a while, I'm okay with that. But we don't need to be like them. So... <sighs> The reason I'm starting here is because it's very difficult to break through the misinformation and the failures of the media and um, the success of Republicans to frame the argument in a dishonest way. And I think it's worth noting that the things that have not been um, have not been big issues into this uh, coming into the midterms, and think about why that is. Think about what that means. The fact that the Republican Party is telling a big lie about Joe Biden's victory in 2020, which is incredibly disabling to democracy, that's not on the ballot. The fact that Donald from the Oval Office, from the White House, planned, incited 
and carried out an insurrection against his own government? That's not on the ballot. The fact that Donald stole from that same government thousands of government documents, many of them top secret, highly sensitive, potentially extraordinarily damaging to American national security and to actual human beings who work for the intelligence services in this country. That's not on the ballot. The fact that the Republican Party has devolved into a party of fascists and autocrats who think that political violence is not only okay, but it's justified and necessary. That's not on the ballot. The fact that this Republican Party thinks it's hysterical that the spouse of the person who's second in line to the presidency was seriously injured in a home invasion that was actually an attempted assassination on our Speaker of the House, that's not on the ballot either. Gas prices and inflation, not democracy, not the failures of COVID, not the hundreds of thousands of people who were dead who shouldn't be. So whenever you hear somebody in the news pointing to polls that say that People are voting on the election. I'm uh, sorry. People are voting on the economy. People are voting on gas prices. People are voting on inflation. Those two issues are more important than democracy. Then what the people in the media are telling you is that they have failed miserably at their jobs. They have failed to educate the American people sufficiently so they understand that inflation and high gas prices are te one temporary and two not in the control of the president of the United States. And three, they're both global phenomena that are impacting other countries much worse than they're impacting us. And finally, that the only party who seeks to do anything to mitigate the effects of an economic downturn, high inflation, high gas prices, is the Democratic Party. So just want to get that out of the way before I got to uh, your questions. Thank you again for um, leaving me questions in, in uh, the comments on Twitter. And uh, thank you for any questions you're putting in the chat box right now. Uh, so let's get going, shall we? Okay. <clears throat> um, sorry, a lot of these are just comments and some of them are questions that are not within reason. So I won't be answering them. All right. Uh, will we be okay? <laughs> I don't know if we will be okay. What I do know is that we're not okay right now. Um, and the extent to which we're going to be okay, if that's even possible, depends on what happens next Tuesday. Uh, so it seems weird to put so much uh, stress on one day, but um, you know, I'm having a very, I'm having a similar experience to the experience I had in 2020. It's not quite as intense, um, I guess, because it isn't a, a 
presidential election and knowing that Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris are still in their offices is does does help take take uh, the pressure down a little bit. But it's very hard to think beyond Election Day, right? Because the outcomes are so dissimilar. They're literally like black and white. Like, think about that. And, you know, before the election in, in November 2020, how could one like how could you even speculate about what your life was going to be like? Because on the one hand, Biden wins and hooray, uh, sigh of relief. We can regroup. On the other hand, Donald wins and democracy is over forever. <laughs> so it's sort of it's kind of like the same feeling. But what I will say is regardless, even if we lose on Tuesday, which I continue to hope we will not do, um, that is not a, that's not a reason to give up. Um, it's going to make things a lot harder. You know, in, in 2020, the Democrats did something that, that is rare uh, in human history. We um, snatched democracy from the jaws of autocracy. Um, you know, if if uh, we lose, that's that makes it a lot harder to do because um, by the time 2024 rolls around, the, the the Republicans will have done everything in their power to consolidate control. Um, and uh, anyway, we don't have to deal with that right now. But I'm just saying um, losing on Tuesday is not a reason to give up. But We'll deal with that when the time comes, if the time comes. Oh, which also reminds me um, <clears throat> that on Wednesday next week, I don't know what time yet, we're going to have an emergency session because as late as we go on Tuesday, I'm pretty sure we're not going to get all of the results Tuesday night. Uh, so, you know, Wednesday we'll kind of sift through all the results together and figure out how we're going to live our lives <laughs> going forward. Um, so what responsibility, sorry, this is from somebody called reduced to fit. Uh, what responsibility does the press bear in the contrasting coverage of their message messaging versus hijacked GOP messaging? I think by their, oh, I'm talking about the Democrats, the press covering democratic messaging versus GOP messaging. It's, you know, the, the media continue to be terrible and it's a huge, huge, huge problem. Um, you know, I've said this many times before. We can ignore polls as obsessed with the media is with them. We can ignore them. And and quite honestly, like, what do you need a poll for anyway? Vote. It's our responsibility as American citizens to vote. So who cares what the polls say? Still going to vote. Because also, as we learned to our shock and sometimes disappointment and sometimes joy in 2018 and 2020 the polls were terrible they they were wrong uh almost across the board so we shouldn't put any stock in them um but again even if you know i live in new york city um my congressman is going to win i don't have to vote i'm still going to vote that's my right and my responsibility and my privilege as american citizen also I, I can't believe I, I have to say this. My governor, uh, Kathy Hochul, who's a Democrat, should win in a cakewalk. But, you know, she's running against this uh, Lee Zeldin, who is a January 6th, pro-January 6th, pro-big lie uh, asshole. Um, and, you know, it's close. It's closer than it should be. 
So, uh, you know, but even if she were 20 points ahead, I would be voting because it matters to me. Uh, from Jeannie, have well-known Dems like you, I guess like me, been on campuses mobilizing the youth vote? I haven't been because I haven't been asked. Um, but I really do think that that is something we do need to do better. Um, you know, on the one hand, I think uh, Gen Z, and that's like college age kids, I guess like kids 18 to 30-ish. I don't really know how the generations work, but approximately. Like my daughter's Gen Z. Um, on the one hand, there are so many issues that impact them directly that you would think that they would be motivated to vote. Uh, there was always climate change, but now, you know, the horrific Dobbs decision um, that has, has rendered women in this uh, country second-class citizens and, you know, um, men who, uh, you know, any man who, who cares about a woman should also um, be concerned about that issue. It's affecting, it's affecting decisions kids are making about where to go to grad school. Now, oh, I guess I can't go to University of Alabama now because if I were to get pregnant in Alabama, you know, I may not get out alive. I mean, it's that bad. So, so there are lots of issues that should be motivating them. On the other hand, and this is something I should have mentioned earlier, um, COVID, you know, it's two and a half years. And I, I guess in some ways it's better. Although again, I've, I know more people who've had COVID in the last month than I did at the beginning of things, which is just crazy. And a couple of people who are quite ill, despite having gotten four or five vaccines. Um, or vaccinations. So um, COVID was demoralizing. And I think there are so many things that older generations have done to depress the motivation of Gen Z. You know, we're not doing enough about climate change. We're not doing enough to save their planet. We allowed uh, this fundamental human right to be taken away from them. So now our daughters have fewer rights than we did our entire lives up until now, our entire adult lives up until now. Um, and, you know, just the sense that they have that they, that the system is broken. So I really do hope that there are a lot of people, um, you know, who have influence and who can connect to that generation out there on college campuses. And uh, it's certainly something we need to be doing um, like starting on day one up until the 2024 presidential election. Let's see. Um, sorry, I've got a lot of, a lot of questions that I'm not, I can't answer. <laughs> Good try though, guys. Uh, let's see. This is actually kind of funny, even though I don't know the answer. Uh, from Andy, who do you think your uncle is voting for in the Florida governor's race? <laughs> um, well, I know for a fact that he's not going to vote for Chris Christie. But I'm sorry, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, who looks absolutely nothing like the Democrat running for governor in Florida. That would be Charlie Crist. He's definitely not voting for Charlie Crist, but... I also know he hates Ron DeSantis, so I would not be surprised if Donald didn't vote for anybody. 
because uh, you know he's a baby uh from oliver should america adopt the popular vote and discard the electoral college uh, yes absolutely however it's not that simple it, it would require a constitutional amendment and um it will never happen so i think we need to figure out ways around that uh because i think it need it requires something like um super majorities in the senate maybe in the house too um, and something like two thirds of the state. And we are so divided electorally right now that, that getting 51 states would be hard at this point. So yeah, that would solve everything. It would absolutely solve everything, at least on the federal level. Right. Um, you know, it wouldn't, uh, help us overcome gerrymandering, uh, which affects local, elections you know co congressional elections um but i think about it how many times have have republicans lost the popular vote i think it's something like eight out of the last nine elections and yet in like two or three of those cases they still got the presidency uh which is just absolutely absurd and terrifying and wrong it's just unfair and it's it's not democratic uh, so the, the reason it won't get fixed is because it benefits Republicans and rep Republicans love it when the, ga the game is rigged in their favor. And there's no way, no way they will ever uh, do anything to change. Oh, love this from, from Generation X. That's the handle. Don't all lives matter? Fuck you. <laughs> it's just, just like the maturity level uh and the sophistication of the trolls on twitter um has just increased exponentially since uh the man child elon musk took over it's really quite something i mean guys just you know get a little better i know you you're you can't it's okay um from justine where is the strong closing argument from the Democrats? What would it be? Well, again, it's hard. It's really hard uh, during an economic during during difficult economic times to make the right argument because uh, we don't we don't teach people enough um, about how things work. We don't are the media again are failing us by not explaining um why the economy is the way it is right now uh from a global perspective and um there the biden administration has actually accomplished so much that it's i think it might be having the same kind of effect uh the equal and opposite effect that um all the bad stuff donald flood the zone with his head, if that makes any sense. Let me put it this way. So, for example, every people often wonder, like, Donald has gotten, a, why has Donald gotten away with do, so much criming? He's done so many horrible, horrible things. Why has he gotten away with it? Why does he keep getting away with it? And it's because there's so many, so many horrible things that I think we can't keep them in our consciousness. I mean, just think of the very abbreviated list of things I, I mentioned at the beginning of things that should be on the ballot, but aren't. So there's that. Um, 
And it's really difficult for Democrats to make the case when Republicans lie about everything. Every single uh, Republican senator voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. And they all go back to their districts or their, their states and their, and sorry, congressional Republicans. Well, they go back to their districts, they go back to their states and they take credit for the inflation reduction act, which they voted against, right? They voted against capping insulin prices at $35 a month. They voted against allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices with uh, pharmaceutical companies. They voted against everything that would be good for the American people, making it extraordinarily difficult for Democrats to get anything done. And when Democrats finally do, the Republicans who made it so hard for the Democrats to help the American people take credit for the Democrats' work. I mean, what do you do with that? Because the media is not doing the, the, the media, they're not keeping score. <laughs> so it's very frustrating. Um, and again, it's a little, it's hard sometimes too to make a kind of cohesive argument when you are such a big tent. I mean, really the, the Republicans only appeal to, um, straight white Christian people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when, when, when your party is that homogenous, it's, it's pretty easy to, you know, um, make a case. It's a little harder when everybody else including some some straight white Christians are in your party. So, all right, uh, from Carla, Democrats had a solid if small lead a few weeks ago. Why are Republicans gaining, especially with candidates as terrible as Walker and Oz? Yes, <laughs> Carla, it's a very good question. And it is, mis it's, not, it's not mystifying as much as it's maddening. Um, you know, there are a couple of things about this that, that, um, that are troubling. First, you know, we we heard starting a few months ago, maybe let's say six months ago, kind of going into the 2022 election cycle. Conventional wisdom holds off years, off your midterm, the midterms, uh, which is the, you know, the, the election two years after the presidential election are always bad for the party in power. And that would be the Democrats. We have the executive branch. We barely have the legislative branch, but we we are in the majority. So anything bad that happens, people are going to blame Democrats. Okay. So right out of the gate, a red wave is is being declared imminent, right? And then the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision. Um, and again, this was preceded by uh, SB8 in Texas, which not just made uh, abortion illegal uh, in, I think, almost every case, but they instituted a friggin' vigilante system in which, you know, people who, who narked on women who just wanted to get health care uh, got paid like ten thousand dollars or so, something obscene, you know. So th this is a long time coming, but then, then uh, the Alito Supreme Court finally just dropped the hammer and said, "Nope, we're done." Roe v. Wade is history. Fuck president. 
We're going to do whatever we want because we can. We're going to act as if uh, this is a Christian country and only our version of Christianity works or matters, right? Not surprisingly, that was very motivating for um, any woman who cares about having bodily autonomy, and sadly, not all of them do. But uh, so we saw the, the polls tightening. And in some cases, uh, we saw the, the Democrats making ground. And then because of inflation, which and high gas prices, which, uh, you know, partially are the result of supply chain issues lingering from COVID, uh, which are partially the result of uh, the 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 illegal war uh, against Ukraine started by Vladimir Putin and the fact that, you know, Russia controls a lot of oil and, um, you know, those are, those are again, things that nobody really has any control over. And uh, in other reasons, which I'm not an economist, I don't really understand how this stuff works either. But what I do know is that it, it's happening everywhere and it, much worse in many European countries and elsewhere. Um, but, you know, because we're, we're kind of, uh, narrow minded about these things, suddenly the economy is more important than anything else, or rather gas prices and inflation are more important than everything else. Um, nobody talks about the fact that wages are keeping pace with inflation. So it's just those two numbers are focused on, focused on, focused on. So the Republicans gain ground. And what, what's interesting is that you know, remember, we'd been told for months that of it, of course, the Republicans are going to win and they're going to win big. And when they lost ground, there was this expectation that the Democrats were going to win. But when the Republicans started moving up in the polls again, it wasn't it wasn't framed as well. Yeah, but that's what's supposed to happen in an off year. It's kind of amazing that the Democrats are even that close. It was framed as, wow, the Democrats suck. It's going to be a total disaster for them, even though months ago, most pundits didn't expect them to do anything but lose. So it's just very, it's very frustrating. Um, so that's part of it. And, and I think with bad candidates, it's, People are just to, so wedded to their party affiliation. We're so polarized. And like one of the worst things that I'm seeing, especially in, in uh, um, Georgia, because Herschel Walker is probably the worst Senate candidate in, in American history. You know, there's this injection of fundam white fundamentalist evangelicism that is so dangerous, you know, this, his closing argument is that <clears throat> he has, uh, I, I don't remember the word, uh, been redeemed or something. Um, first of all, he's irredeemable. Um, but secondly, I, the, the religious, uh, vernacular that's used, the religious arguments that are used are just so dangerous. Um, and uh, they don't care about candidate quality. They only care about getting votes. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, I guess in some ways, Walker's like the worst just it, in general. But there are ways in which Oz is worse. Like, first of all, he's not even from the 
he doesn't even live in the state he's running in, which is sort of problematic. And, you know, he's just a, he's just a snake oil salesman and a charlatan. Um, you know, uh, John Fetterman had a stroke and, and uh, we might end up with Oz, even though there are two other senators serving in the Senate now who also had strokes. And we know that, that cognitively, um, John Fetterman's fine. He just has some processing issues that will get better over time. But again, it's like we have the, the attention spans of goldfish. It's just like what's happening right this second. And we don't we don't think about context. It's it's uh I I think I should stop repeating the phrase. It's very troubling. Because <laughs> it's all troubling. All right. Um from Juliana. With democracy itself at risk and the continuing buildup to the decisive day of the midterms, how do you keep your hopes up and the anxiety <laughs> at bay? Well, <clears throat> I'll start with the second part of that first. I don't keep the anxiety at bay. I'm stressed out of my mind. Um, I don't think I'm not, I didn't get sick because of stress, but it certainly didn't help. Um, how do I keep my hopes up? I, I'm, it's just, it kind of seems weird to say this, especially since 2016, but I'm a fundamentally optimistic person. I don't like to give up hope, especially when there's no reason to, you know, I don't care what anybody says today about what's happening on Tuesday. I, I, there's always a chance. We don't know. Polls are wrong. Polls say one thing, early voting numbers say another thing. I have no idea. So I'm not going to, well, I, not going to pretend I'm not worried about it, but you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not thinking about that at least not on purpose. Um, so the hope is hang on to hope because I know that there are more of us than there are of them. I just hope enough of us get the message. Uh, so, you know, there's no reason to be cynical. We can be cynical on Wednesday if we have to be, but you know, why give up hope? There's no reason. Um, from Brent, it's the time to build a closing case before the midterms. What accomplishments of the Biden administration do you think make the most powerful shortlist for sharing slash persuasion? You know, uh, there was a, somebody posted a list of the Biden administration's accomplishments on Twitter. And it's vast. I mean, it's just absolutely insane under the circumstances, how much and how many big things uh, they've accomplished. Uh, so again, the problem is the ways in which things like the economy, oh, sorry, inflation and gas prices are blown out of proportion. And by that, I don't at all mean to suggest that they don't matter. Of course they matter. They have a huge impact on people's lives. But you know what also has a huge impact on people's lives? The fact that the party a lot of people want to put back into power won't raise the federal minimum wage. They are against everything that would mitigate the negative effects of high gas prices and inflation on the American people. They're against the Affordable Care. How many times? Well, Donald was in the Oval Office. Did the Republicans try to kill the Affordable Care Act? I think it was like a trillion. Okay. Um, so they want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and have absolutely nothing 
to replace it with. Uh, they are against investing in infrastructure. They are talking openly, openly. I mean, we have Republican sitting Republican senators openly talking about getting rid of Social Security, dismantling it, and or, well, I guess, or raising the age of eligibility to like 70. I mean, the ins the cruelty of this these people. And, you know, so it's very difficult to make a case. I'm sort of getting off topic here, but I promise I'll get back. I'll, I'll get back to finish answering your question. But it's it's sort of difficult to make make an argument. And I said this earlier, like when the other side's lying, but also when the other side isn't asked to do anything but complain. You know, Republicans, they complain about inflation. They complain about high gas prices. What are their solutions to those problems? They never have to give us, give them to us, which is really good for them because they don't have any. This is the thing. The Republican Party is a party without policies. Well, that's not true. They are for cutting taxes for really, really, really rich people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and what's his name? Mark Zuckerberg. And mm, I think that might be it. I think that's that's their one policy. They're against everything else. Like all they have is grievance and, and white supremacy. So the fact that more people don't know that, the fact that we're in a situation in which the, the uh, voting population population that's would be directly and and horribly impacted if social security was cut little and dismantled probably going to vote for republicans or you know a large majority of them are going to vote for republicans and that includes um you know my generation isn't isn't quite there yet but you know it's not that far away for a lot of people in gen x uh to be needing things like social security medicaid which by the way we've paid for with our wages over the course of our lives as have has anybody who's ever had a job. So um, yeah, so it's, it's, we're always fighting with two hands side behind our backs. And, um, but I think, I think the, the closing argument is actually pretty simple. Um, one, admit the economy isn't as good as we would want it to be, but it's these are temporary dips and here's what we have in place that is is going to help ride us out and then help us ride this out and then help us you know do even better once things are stabilized right there's that and obviously list the programs and what they do um like hammer on the fact for example that that if wages are keeping pace with inflation, then that means that inflation isn't actually having that much of a negative impact. Anyway, um, and the other thing is, again, very simple, simple to say anyway, a vote for Democrats is a vote for the American experiment. It is a vote for democracy. A vote for Republicans is a vote 
Well, I don't I don't know that there are a lot of Democrats out there who would say is vote for fascism, but that's the case. The problem with saying that, though, is that I think we've gone so long in this country without having to pay attention to what it means to be an American citizen. We don't teach civics anymore that I think a lot of people don't really know what democracy even is. And they don't really they can't therefore really um, picture what it would be like if uh, that's taken away. And I'm really talking to white people uh, because white privilege protects a lot of white people from having having to think about these things because we take way too much for granted. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see how we handle uh, how we handle it if things don't go the way we hope they will. Um, from David. Shouldn't we be emphasizing how downright un-American Donald and the election deniers are? Seems like all those MAGA yokels think being a good patriotic American is waving a flag and singing the national anthem while being a bigoted democracy-loathing asshole. Hmm, yeah, well put. Our country is fundamentally about democracy. Well, yeah, I agree with you, David. The problem is they don't see it that way. And, you know, we're all so siloed. We all like our our information sources are so siloed that that uh, I think it's it's incredibly easy for people not to be exposed to any ideas that would challenge their idea of what it means to be patriotic. Because, you know, people who watch, generally speaking, People who watch Fox News, if they have a second news source, it's not MSNBC or the New York Times. You know, it's OAN or Newsmax or, you know, uh, 4chan. Uh, so it's it's very difficult because we, 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 we don't even talk to each other anymore. Um, and that's that's something that has has increased so dramatically in the last five, six years that it's 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 kind of hard to see how that's going to change and it obviously it won't change if republicans gain power um but it, even if democrats hang on to power and increase their power and um you know we have a few years it's going to take a long time uh because there's there are a lot of um, bad actors that that need to be removed from the stage you know because let's face it We'll get, you know, Democrats get a majority in the House and a majority in the Senate. That's awesome. But we still have the Jim Jordans and the uh, Marjorie Taylor Greens and the John Cornyns. Sorry, that's the Senate. Um, I don't know. They're all so awful. Like, because the, the only Republicans who did the tiniest bit to protect democracy, like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, they're not going to be in Congress anymore. <laughs> And in the Senate, we will still have every single Republican senator vote against any anything the Democrats want to do, no matter how good it is for the the, uh, the 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 American people, because Republicans don't want the Democrats to have credit for anything. So they would rather burn everything down and uh, to make the Democrats look bad, right? So. Uh, yeah, I, I think one thing that, that Democrats can do is start taking back the symbols, start taking back the language. You know, it's our flag, too. We're actually the real patriots. 
I'm kind of uncomfortable with that stuff, but there's a reason because it's been so um, uh, warped over time. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that we that we need to we need to start using those language that lang kind of language proudly. Let's see. <clears throat> From Sharon, why is it that the House hearings? Didn't seem to make a dent in Republicans' view of 2020. 70% still believe Biden committed fraud. Well, I know. It's terrible. I, I think a lot of that is because if you're watching Fox News, you didn't know what, what happened in the hearings. Because <laughs> they either weren't shown or the, what happened during them was spun. Um, you know, again, that we're so partisan that, that uh, Republicans aren't going to trust anything that came out of that bipartisan committee um, because the Republicans on the committee are traitors in their view, Kinziger and Cheney. What's more worrisome is why the, the, the media let it drop out um, because we know that in real time, the hearings actually did have a huge impact. Uh, but again, it's not on the ballot. I think part of the problem is that not, nothing, I mean, with the exception of the people who took part in the insurrection, um, you know, the lower level people, um, none of the architects of the insurrection have been brought to justice and quite a few of them are still sitting members of Congress. So that's kind of a problem too. From Riley, has the horse race focus of our elections led to candidates focused on chasing numbers instead of showing us their values? Absolutely. Uh, it it really, I mean, I, I it, not just um, not just candidates focused on chasing numbers. The media focused on chasing numbers. I mean, literally, it's 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 as if the substance doesn't matter anymore. And this is a, in a slightly different way. You know, this is why the electoral college is so terrible for America. Republicans don't have to talk to New Yorkers or Californians. Democrats don't have to talk to Alabamans or Utahns. I don't know how you say that people from Utah. Um, so it just every, every election cycle, we get more and more polarized. And yeah, by focusing on, oh, you know, who's winning, who's losing versus, hey, you know, um, Herschel Walker is objectively the least qualified person ever to run for Senate. Shouldn't that matter? Oh, yeah. You know, we keep talking about Donald Trump as the head of the Republican Party. And the, we keep asking the question, is he going to run or not? Well, Shouldn't we be asking why he should be allowed to? Because he spread the big lie. He stole top secret, highly classified documents that have endangered this country's national security. And uh, yeah, he incited an armed insurrection against his own government. All of these things, all of these things are disqualifying. You know, but it's all, it's only about, well, you know, who's winning, who's losing, who's going to run, who's not going to run. Oh, this one's ahead. It's never about why. It's never about what people stand for anymore. And it's incredibly dangerous. 
uh, from Tristan. Both sides-ism on all the major networks is a scourge. Is there any reason to stick with them or should we all be abandoning them for the voices and creators who have conviction? I, I don't watch much news, I have to be honest. Um, when I do, I watch MSNBC. And that, I think that's temporary. I just kind of burned out a little bit. Um, I got, I get, sometimes I just find it easier to read the news. Um, it's also faster. It's easier to consume more in a short period of time. Um, but, you know, if, if you feel like the news programs in general are objective and, and presenting things accurately, then I don't know. I listen, everybody like people have guests on their show who try to both sides things. And, you know, sometimes a, a an otherwise reliable newspaper will have an, an egregious op-ed or just frame things poorly. Um, so I, I think, you know, we don't have to abandon them um, necessarily. I mean, certainly like I've totally, I won't have anything to do with CNN anymore because they've definitely made it clear which side they're on and they're on a side, you know, and they're on the side that's against democracy. And I, I guess what I would say is that if, if generally speaking, your source for news is neutral as to the facts, but pro-democracy, then, you know, that's okay. That's good. And yes, they'll make mistakes. Uh, both sides is, um, is very, very uh, damaging, though, um, because it does it does create this false equivalence uh, that you know when people aren't as tapped in as they need to be, um, it creates this very false impression and leads to a lot of people saying, "Well, you know, Democrats, Republicans, they're all the same," when obviously this is not true. But it's it's a really you know it's. One of the weird things about it is like, I don't know what the solution is <laughs> because it's almost like this knee jerk thing. Actually, I do know what the solution is. The solution is to make sure Democrats win in absolutely huge numbers and that the Republicans get totally repudiated. That's my solution. Let's make it happen. Vote. Uh, let's see. From Gretchen, assuming that we hold the House and Senate, what should be the first policy and legislative priorities of the new government? Uh, two things need to happen immediately. Codifying Roe at the federal level and the Voting Rights Act. Right off the bat. Those are the two things that have to happen right away. Uh, from Jennifer. Compromise is always hyped as an ideal, but when democracy itself is threatened... Uh, is it time to lean into unapologetic progressivism? I'm thinking it's time to lead, not wheel into. Absolutely, Jennifer. I've been saying that for a long time. Um, you cannot make common cause with fascists. When you compromise with the Republican Party, you are giving them power they don't deserve and shouldn't have. It's that simple. Um Democracy is more important than collegiality. Democracy is more important than the optics of bipartisanship, which, by the way, is total bullshit. So, yeah, they are unabashedly fascists. 
let us be unabashed democratic liberal progressives or whatever we want to call ourselves pro-democracy people how about that um from sean are you worried about a similar insurrection type action in republicans oh if republicans fail to take the house or senate how can we protect against that possibility Hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I am very worried about the potential for political violence because um, they are making it very clear that it's acceptable to them. And not only is it acceptable, it's, 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 uh, they support it. Um, you know, we're, we're basically seeing the impact of the violent rhetoric that the right has been engaging in for a very long time. I mean, we see what they did to Hillary Clinton for 35 years. If not for that, even with all of the other things that went wrong in, uh, 2016, um, she likely would have been, uh, well, I mean, I think she won, but she actually would have been president uh, in reality, right? So when, when the rhetoric becomes less about just kind of, like with, with Hillary Clinton, a lot of it was just, it was very misogynistic and sexist. Um, and then over time, it became, and it was cruel. And over time, though, it became more demonizing. And 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 we've seen that spread. Uh, that they say they've done this to, to uh, Speaker Pelosi also for a very long time. So by demonizing these people, by speaking about them as if they're, you know, just these violent, inhuman people who are out to get all of us, it makes it pretty simple for some people like to cross the line. Um, and I have to be honest with you, and I don't like saying this, but um, it surprised me that it took so long for somebody to act on it. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about the, the person who broke into Speaker Pelosi's house and almost murdered her husband um, and who God knows what he would have done to her. If she'd been there. And although it's hard to game that out because she, she has capital security, but whatever, I mean, he was there. It was an attempted assassination and it needs to be seen in those terms. When you talk about somebody, public figures with a kind of contempt and, uh, fear-mongering that Republicans speak about. By the way, Nancy Pelosi is their colleague. <laughs> you know, and they still, they have no scruples about uh, talking about her in the most vile terms. Um, you're, somebody is going, is eventually going to be pushed in that direction. Um, and the most 
dangerous and and I think unforgivable thing that's happened since January 6th is the fact that Republicans either are completely silent about it, thereby condoning it, or they've embraced it. So why why wouldn't they? I mean, we we half of Republicans running for office subscribe to the big lie or pretend they do. Right. Uh, I mean, these are people who've said uh, Carrie Lake, this psycho who's, you know what? That's not fair. She's just a horrible human being. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's not crazy. She's just vile. Um, She's already saying that she's not going to accept the results of the election if she loses. So they're setting it up. Um, So, and that's, that's why even if we win on Tuesday, we need to be prepared. This is not going to be, neat. It's not going to be cut and dried. It's going to be very messy. The uh, aftermath of this election is going to be very, very messy. So whatever happens, and I'm going to end on this note, um, whatever happens, we need to be ready to start preparing for the 2024 presidential election on, well, let's take a day off, shall we? You know what? Let's take the rest of next week off. We're going to regroup on Wednesday, go over everything. Let's take, I mean, I want you to come watch the Thursday show, of course, but in terms of like taking action, let's wait until Monday, November, what is it going to be? 14th. Okay. So we'll get half a week off to either to celebrate or to despair, whatever. But then that next Monday starts, we need to start strategizing, right? Um, if we know that they're, one of their tactics is to have um, paid, pe- to pay people to go to school boards, wave around guns and act crazy. You know what? We'll have two people for every one of those people and we will just outnumber them. Same thing. If they've got an armed creep standing by a drop box taking down people's license plate numbers and trying to intimidate them we're gonna have two people there to prevent them from having any impact that's that's what we need to do they're act like we need to act like we're in the majority because we are okay so Thank you so much for your questions. Uh, I, I absolutely love uh, answering them. I love hearing from you guys. Thank you for uh, just being here and tuning in and, uh, you know, helping all of us uh, get through this. You know, the Nerd Adventures and I were so appreciate you. Um, so thank you. Uh, quickly. Next week, it's Thursday, right? So next Tuesday, we have our watch party. 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash Politicon. No idea how late it's going to go, but we're going to do our best uh, to keep things moving and uh, keep you up to date on the results as they come in. Uh, We're going to have as many of the Nerd Adventures there as possible, plus uh, lots of special guests. Wednesday, uh, time still to be decided. We will have an emergency session to sift through 
uh, the election results, at least those we have. Uh, again, remember, some results may not come in right away because that's sort of the nature of our elections now. Uh, because for reasons which make sense but are kind of uh, underhanded, a lot of states with early voting count votes that are cast on election day before they count the votes that came in early. You know, it's what gives Republicans uh, their excuse of, you know, we were winning when we went to bed. So why are we losing now? Well, because the early votes were counted later. It's just absurd. Um, next Thursday, I'm very excited. Uh, we have an interview with Joy Reid. That's going to be phenomenal. I'm so uh, happy that she's going to be here right after the election uh, because her take on things is just fascinating. And, uh, you know, she really has her fingers on the pulse. So uh, that's going to be incredible. That is, as usual, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash politicon uh and when you're at politicon's youtube page um please subscribe to politicon does not cost anything it just it's just good for more people to join to join us um like the episode leave a comment if you want and if you click on that oh look vote if you click on that bell right there you will be alerted anytime a new video drops. So that could be an episode. It could be an emergency session. It could be a live stream. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm absolutely committed to starting up the short videos after the election is over. I'm still a little under the weather, but I'm, get, I'm getting there. So uh, those, will, those will happen again. And what else do I need to tell you? Uh, yes, of course, you can listen to the show in um, podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcast, except of course, Spotify. And uh, it would be awesome if you could um, leave a five-star review because it definitely helps other people learn about the show. And uh, that's going to be important. Uh, again, no matter what happens on Tuesday, we need to prepare for 2024 like we've never prepared for anything in our lives. Um, but I'm quite hopeful that uh, we're going to be starting from a place of strength, not from a deficit. Okay. So vote, vote, get everybody, you know, to vote. Um, if, you know people who maybe aren't so internet savvy, help them figure out where their polling place is. And remember in a lot of places, if not most places, early polling places are different from election day polling places. I know mine is. So, you know, help people find that out. You know, if you have, you have somebody who, who needs some help getting there, give them a ride if you can. Uh, you know, we're in this together. So, um, let's, let's make sure we do everything in our power to keep this a country in which, uh, community actually matters. So again, thank you, my friends, uh, 
for everything. And uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday, uh, which is midterm day, midterm night. Uh, and in the meantime, have a great weekend. Stay safe and be kind and vote.